You're listening to the Just Jazz and Co podcast, the show where you hear the how, why, and what of ambitious careers with me, Just Jazz, and many guests. I'm a multi-passionate, wildly ambitious lover of tea and R&B. I'm also on a mission to guide more high achievers to the careers and lives they deeply desire through coaching. Yep, you heard me. Desire. No shame or secrets about it. Here, we boldly embrace ambition by owning, being, and doing more in our careers. And in each episode, we break down the barriers to creating something that will make you and everyone you know step back in awe while keeping it simple. So what are you waiting for? Let's dive into the episode. Welcome everyone who is watching or listening or reading to the new Just Jazz and Co podcast. So formerly known as the Limitless Career Podcast, um, but we're now rebranding it to Just Jazz and Co because it's about those ambitious stories and journeys, which usually involve a guest, right? And not that we don't still want limitless careers, but we really, really want to highlight the hows and the whys of ambitious career journeys, the things that we should know as ambitious individuals navigating life, career, goals, dreams, desires, and all of the above. So that's as much as I will do around the rebrand. You will see the visuals very differently and hopefully you'll be able to engage in the comments on the podcast or on YouTube. Let us know if there's anything that you've taken away from this episode, any follow on questions, anything else that you want us to dig into next. Um, We are here for you. This is definitely a conversation between more than just the two of us. So don't be a stranger is the moral of the story. But without further ado, I would love, love, love to welcome our guest for this week, Sam Flynn. Hi, Sam. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Jumping straight in, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and watchers? Yeah, of course. So hi, everyone. I'm Sam and I um, have been working for myself, actually, for the last 13 years. So my career journey has been very heavily focused on being my own boss, um, which I think I don't think I'll be able to go back from now, to be honest, um, after doing it since <laughs> I was 24. Um, I think I'm probably um, unmanageable now. <laughs> so I have been um, I've been a social media trainer for the last 12 years of those 13 years working for myself. And it has been a really interesting 12 years. I mean, I don't you don't need me to tell you just how much social media has changed over the last 12 years I mean even how much it's changed over the last two years but yeah it just it's a vastly different place to where it was when I first started my career as a social media trainer um and I've switched now while I'm still doing social media training I'm making a big switch over really to what sounds almost like the opposite but in fact sort of works in tandem um and helping people with their digital well-being and helping them manage that relationship that they have with the digital world, managing things like how often they're picking up their phone, course, catching themselves in the mindless scroll um, and, and you know, probably using social media in an unconscious way and losing hours and hours of time to it. So that's, that's my kind of where my career is blending towards now, um, which um, is, is a really interesting kind of move from fully immersed in kind of helping people get on social media and use social media as a marketing tool to now kind of helping people manage their relationship with it and use it in a way that actually adds value to their life rather than takes it away 
from their life. So yeah, it's been an interesting huge. journey. Yeah. <laughs> huge. And really an interesting, I guess, pivot to a certain extent, but also yeah. one that really fascinates me because I think one thing that we don't realise as we kind of move through life in the grand sphere of things, the introduction of new technologies requires an introduction of new ecosystems, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even the fact, I'll use this, that we're, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Podcasts didn't invent microphones. Microphones were already there. However, we now have tools like what we're using, right? So that's also yeah. part of the ecosystem. Okay. If people want to record things that aren't a radio show, what does that actually look like? How can we show up to support? And you've got communities and you've got guidelines and you've got ethics and all of those things that eventually evolve. And I think it's the same with social media, right? It comes out and it's like, whoa, this is a new way of using the internet internet was there before social media phones and apps were there before social media but now it's time for the ecosystem to arise around it and you know I think many people will know about the work of Nir Eyal with his book Hooked and then essentially his later book being like um detached from everything I wrote before yeah yeah I have some new perspectives (laughs) in Sounds a bit like my journey. <laughs> well, that's it. But I think it's it's necessary because, again, you know, without kind of getting too Black Mirror with it, the element is there's always going to be the arrival of a bad actor or the shadowy side of something that initially was a great herald. You know, even when you think about the beautiful, charming stories of social media really connecting us and keeping us connected in the pandemic, you also see the side of cyberbullying. You actually, um, one of the things I see firsthand is folks who want to start businesses talking themselves out of it because they can't do social media or it gives them the ick or it's overwhelming. And actually, again, before social media, there were businesses. (laughs) I know. People seem to forget that you can market without using social media. It's mad, isn't it? It really is. We've really kind of got to a point now where it feels like it's everything it's not, mm. you know, it absolutely doesn't have to be. And and really, that's partly why I've moved into the space I'm in, because I just find myself getting to a, find myself with social media, getting to a point of thinking, oh, I just really don't want to log in. And that's as a social media trainer who had to have a solid presence on social media to prove that I could actually deliver the training and be the expert. And I found myself going, oh, I just don't want to be on there. And then when I was speaking to business owners, There was a similar feeling from so many of them. I just don't want to do it. And a lot of my training had become actually, how do you manage your time on it so you can get as much out of it without being on there as much? And I thought there's something in this. There's a lot of people who are like stepping back from it. Um, You know, my background's in psychology and in particular business psychology. So it's always been really interesting to me how people's minds work in that way. And like, you know, what's what's now making people question it? first of all. But then also like, why are we seeing that it's the be all and end all? Like you say, you know, business is now thinking, oh, I don't want to have to go on social media. Well, actually you don't have to. And in some respects, for a lot of businesses, they probably waste so much time marketing on social media and get very little business from it, but commit so much time and effort and sometimes even money to it. So it's... um yeah, it, there's definitely been, I can feel a, a shift change in people's sort of perceptions of it. Um, but at the same time, I think some a lot of other people are going, I hate it, but yeah, I find myself spending hours scrolling on it. 
Um, you know, because as you said, with the, the book Hooked, as he describes in that, it is designed to hook us in. It is designed to be addictive, um, which is not necessarily the best thing, is it? Yeah. And we almost forget it. Um, I've got a friend of mine who's also a coach, Zoe Mallet, has contributed to a documentary um, that's come out on BBC um, about dating apps. Um, and she contributed it because similar to you, psychology is her thing. Um, and, you know, when she kind of posted to say, look, I'm contributing to this. But one of the biggest messages of that documentary is that when you're engaging in these types of apps that are quote unquote designed to connect us either romantically or otherwise, they are designed to be addictive. So mm-hmm. handle with care, um, you know, really, really make sure that you are maintaining a, a safe I'm going to call it a safe distance for one of the yeah. hour, but like, don't get sucked into the vortex. It's um, that sucking in. Yeah. All of the apps now are designed in that way. And I was speaking to someone last week, actually, who said, you know, what's about on social media? But, you know, I became single a year ago. And since then I spend hours on dating apps, you know, and it's, it's, there's always yeah. something, isn't there? That's the problem. And it's so 100%. accessible. It's at our fingertips. I think that's, you know, another big issue. Again, when I started delivering social media training, um 12 years ago I I think at the time I had a Blackberry um you know I didn't have an iPhone I think iPhones were made I know (laughs) I think iPhones were just maybe I'm trying to think where we were at with the iPhone world but it certainly wasn't a case that everyone has a smartphone um Mm. so it was a case of logging in on a computer and then of course that meant when you walked away from your desk or wherever your computer was you're away from it and it's done. <laughs> Whereas now yeah. it's like, we're, it's following us around. It's in our pocket. It's in our bag. It's, you know, it's with us when we're waiting in the doctor's surgery. It's in us, with us when we're at the park with our kids. You know, it's, it's always there following us around, which makes it even harder to avoid really. 100%. And I guess where we're not avoiding it is having an impact because I think that was the biggest thing that, started to get me really curious. We're having this conversation in January of 2023. And a big, big theme that's coming up for people is boundaries, protecting our time, our energy, productivity, high performance, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff, especially for my listeners who are super ambitious. Mm -hmm. We know that it is a, a drag on our time. But I'm also really curious of the negative impacts on well-being as well like what have you found on that side of things yeah it's quite it's quite big actually i mean the link between smartphone use phone use growth and mental health um sort of the decline in mental health it's the it, they're almost in parallel with each other um you know and and in particular with social media um so there is a huge huge link between smartphone use and um, our mental health. So social media probably is one of the biggest um, tools or platforms that cause that impact. And it's things like, you know, lowering our self-esteem, looking at other people's lives all the time, because pre-social media, mm-hmm. we didn't have that much of an insight into anyone else's life. And now we can look at other people, people's lives and think, oh my God, why is my life not like that? Why don't I look like that? Why is my body not like that? Um, how come they go get to go to all these parties and no one invites me look at them with all their mates look at their business and how successful it is and little old me is just doing this or look at that expert and I'm trying to be an expert and now I've got imposter syndrome and it's relentless because people are on there every day seeing these things and and the messaging coming through 
is being validated every single day, which, as I said, pre-social media, we just, we didn't have. We might get jealous of our friends or we might open a glossy magazine, but it wasn't every day and for some people multiple times a day that we were filling our brains with the lives of other people. Um, so that's definitely damaging. And then, of course, a lot of the news is shared through people's opinions on social media. You know, you can't get away from it. You know, one of the things that is often said for protecting your mental health is don't watch the news. You know, you don't need to know all the mm -hmm. bad things that are going on in the world. But if you go on social media, you can't avoid it because everyone is telling you their take on, the explore on that page. bad news. Is it's there. there. <laughs> yeah, you can't avoid yeah. Prince Harry at the moment, for example, who's all over the news. And oh, my All goodness. over social media. Yeah, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, there's just there's no avoiding. And, you know, and and so actually we can obviously take steps to make sure we're following the right people and following positive accounts. But even then, the algorithm now can sometimes just throw things at us that, We'd rather not see. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's a bit sadly as human beings, we are inclined to look more and longer at things that make us angry or make us sad, that give us negative emotion than spend lo longer looking at things that bring us positive emotions. So, um, so that's a really, really big factor definitely is, is the mental health. And there are other aspects of that. You mentioned time and you mentioned at the start, actually, you know, that, that feeling of like, if you're, if you're wasting time, if you're not being productive, that in itself actually really lowers our mental health. You know, I don't know about you, but if I get to the end of a day and think, oh my God, I got nothing done today. I had this, all these things I plan to do. I've done none of them. You don't leave, finish your day feeling uplifted and happy. You leave it kind of feeling flat and low. Uh, exactly. And, um, and smartphones, you know, the average UK use at the moment is four hours a day. So, if you do, it, it doesn't sound a lot when you think, well, that's easy because we can just split it up into little bits during the day. Um, but when you really think about it, four hours a day is a lot of time that we're losing to probably using it in a way that's not adding value to our life or giving us productivity or, you know, using it in a way that's just taking time away from us. Um, and the, the one way I kind of scare people with that is like four hours might sound like not much at all. But when we do the maths, that's two whole months a year, not including sleep, two whole months a year that we're spending on our phones. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that you scare people. You scared yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Sure I don't mean to, me. yeah. I'm not necessarily wanting to terrify you, but no, I think it does but bring it's it home. We don't yeah. often, that's it. We don't yeah. often realize it until it's put in that bigger context of actually all these tiny bites are actually quite a significant chunk of time. One of the things I did today, very randomly, was booked in my annual leave for the rest of the year. Now I've booked two two-week holidays, one my honeymoon and one is like a, a holiday holiday, end of the year. Got like a little weekend in between, booked them both and I was like, okay, I have seven days of annual leave left. Okay. It's that bigger picture. So when I think about what I'm doing to like grapple and strategically book this remaining seven days of annual yeah, leave. That time's so valuable. And I've spent yeah. two months, two yeah. months scrolling mindlessly. Scrolling. Mindlessly, yeah. I mean, you know, of course there might be, I am not a smartphone hater. I have a smartphone. You know, I'm not someone who's like, be yeah. your smartphone and get an old Nokia brick. Let's go back to the old days. That's not me. I do <laughs> I do love my phone. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to deny it. I do love my phone, but it is so true that we just need to be really conscious of how long are we using it and how much of that time is one, adding value to our lives, 
or two, taking us away from things that will add value to our lives. And, you know, I say to people, even if you just halve your use, that's giving you back a whole month a year, you know, and, and as you say, we're recording this in January when everyone starts with their New Year's resolutions and just have gifting yourself a whole month through the year to work on those goals mm. and resolutions is huge. A whole extra month you could gift yourself just by reducing, I mean, I say just, but by reducing your phone use. Um, you know, it's not as, it's not as easy as it sounds, but you know, by taking steps, we can, we can definitely have a better relationship with it. And I know our audience, just like me, when you said reduce, my brain went, but how? Yeah. How? <laughs> like, what are your tips for reducing? I know it does sound use? easy, doesn't it? It really does sound like, oh, well, just, just put it down more. Um, but you know, they are designed to be addictive and it's kind of like telling a smoker, well, just, just stop smoking. You know, that's all you have to do. We, mm. we all know that when it comes to habits, it's not as easy as to just say, no, I'm not doing that anymore. So there are definitely a few things that can really drastically reduce your use without you having to do to put too much effort into it. Um, so the first one that has a huge impact is turning off your notifications, because what happens when you see your phone light up, even if you don't have the sound on, if you're kind of working away at your desk, for example, and your phone's next to you and you see it light up, it tells you you've got a WhatsApp message or was commented on your Instagram post or what, you know, you've got a new email, whatever the, the notification is, you cannot help but want to pick up your phone at that moment and, you know, and see, right, what's going on. Let's, you know, let's see what the notification is about. And actually, even if you don't pick up your phone, you've, you've taken your attention away from whatever it is you're working on. So straight away, yeah, actually, your productivity depletes. Yeah. <laughs> Your brain's already going, what was that? What's going on? What's happening on my phone? Mm. Even if you don't pick it up, it's already holding you back. But when you do pick it up, of course, once it's in your hands, let's say it was an Instagram comment. Okay, there's the comment, reply. But now we're on Instagram. Now I'm looking at people's stories. Now I'm on my Reels feed. And, and you know, you're losing time. So turning off your notifications will reduce the amount of times that you pick up your phone. Um, so that's a, a, an easy one that doesn't take too much willpower. You just go in and you turn off all your notifications. I, was say, I feel like I can do that. That feels yeah. doable. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I don't, for example, I don't have WhatsApp notifications on, but at points through the day, I will just open my WhatsApp folder uh, app and check, have I got any WhatsApp Refresh. messages? Yeah. Yeah. Check. And if, and if anyone has an emergency, I would hope they wouldn't get in contact via WhatsApp. I'd hope that they would call me. Phone me. You know, exactly. <laughs> you know, so I'm not going to miss any major emergency because I haven't made sure that it pings every time there's a WhatsApp message. Um, so, yeah, that definitely helps. Secondly, not having it right next to you. I, you know, it's I think the stat is we're never more than a meter away from our phone or something um, mm -hmm. because it kind of it does come with us everywhere, doesn't it? So just putting it away from you. So for example, if you are someone who's like, oh, I really want to watch this new series on Netflix or whatever, but halfway through the episode, you'd be like, oh God, I haven't watched a single bit of it because I've been scrolling on my phone. Well, don't have your phone next to you on the sofa because you are going to pick it up and you are going to scroll on it. And of course, if you're, you know, in terms of careers and, and work and productivity, don't have it next to you on your desk because you will naturally go to pick it up when it's there next to you. Um, so you can still have it in the room with you, just put it away. So you've got to get up and walk to it. Um, and I like to have mine. So it's in the room so I can hear if it rings, but it's kind of like over on a shelf and I make myself stand up to look at it. So it's very brief. Then I'll have a, like a quick look and then I'll leave it there. Like that's where my phone lives. And then I'll come back to my desk. 
just having that little rule in my head means I'm not going to get my phone coming to my desk and sitting and scrolling. If I want to have a scroll, it's uncomfortable. I've got to stand up. Um, so it's no longer as pleasurable as, as an experience for me. So keeping it sort of away from reach um, is a really good one as well. And then, um, I mean, there's, there's so many different tips. I'll share one more that I find really, really useful. And that's keeping your hands busy. Um, so the a lot of people state that, you know, they pick up their phone because they're bored. Um, or, you know, I think we've naturally become people who say, can't just watch telly or can't just listen to a podcast or can't, you know, we have to be doing something with our hands at the same time. Um, so if you can do things like crafts, even if it's something like, you know, a bit of um, mindfulness coloring in, I actually taught myself to crochet. So I sit at night, if me and my husband are watching a film or something, I'll be crocheting. Um, I'm making my three girls a blanket each at the moment, actually. So they've all got a nice homemade blanket by their mom that they I can keep forever. This. Channel the energy. <laughs> yeah, because it means that rather than me wasting time scrolling in the evening when I'm on my downtime, instead, I'm actually keeping my hands busy. I'm keeping myself away from things that could feed negativity into my brain. And I'm actually ending up with a finished product that I can to then give to someone. So yeah, that definitely helps me. Um, and learning, yeah, and it means you've learned a new skill as well. This episode is brought to you by Just Jazz Private Coaching, the six-month one-to-one experience for high achievers to carve their unique careers free from burnout, overwhelm, and underwhelm. With challenging and curious conversations, we get knee deep in all the things getting in the way of you having a hell yeah career instead of a career that feels meh. If this sounds great to you, book a call today at justjazz.co forward slash coaching, where we will map out the what and how of working together. Those are huge and they are so practical because I am very guilty of... First of all, my phone wakes me up, so that's the alarm. Yeah. It usually plays a decent song because I've connected <laughs> it to Spotify. Um, but I am one of those people. If I pop downstairs to make a cup of tea, I take my phone with me. Yeah. But it's literally, yeah. I'm going to boil the kettle and come back upstairs. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's when we think about it and zoom out, it's a very bizarre behaviour. But because it it's is. second nature for so much of us to be like, yeah. oh, I forgot my phone in my house. Like, it's not like mm-hmm. I've left it in a co-working space. It's like mm-hmm. in my house. Yeah, it's okay, like to just detach. And I think it's one of those things. I think the only thing that I do really well when it comes to that is like between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. We're on do not disturb. Yeah, nothing will come through apart from my alarm. Or um, I think I've nominated certain people if they do phone. So my phones all come straight through. But it's also one of those things where it's like what you mentioned with the notifications. I don't have notifications on for everything, but it drives me nuts to have notifications in the top bar. Mm. So even if I say I'm not going to check it, I'm going to, I'm still going to yeah. open it, right? That millisecond moment that you mentioned <laughs> yeah. of glancing. Yeah. It's got me already, even if I'm just like swiping down yeah. so I can go bye, 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 bye. It's yeah. literally gone. And it's just so interesting. I think um, one of the things that I guess I, I wish we could go back to the nineties mm. and not in like a, weird way but go in a way where like having a phone was an interesting thing like my dad had a mobile yeah. phone why because he ran his own business yeah everyone else survived with the house phone yeah right even more so you know 
three phone calls after seven. Like we, we had this oh sort of gosh. proud behavior of the phone oh and my the gosh. hi, hello and how to do that. And there's this element of actually, if we, if I was to hit reset to that time, put myself in a bit yeah. of an experiment and then slowly choose what I reincorporate, I probably wouldn't reincorporate a bunch of it. Oh my gosh, so many people say the same. Yeah. Doing the laptop live. So if I do want to check in on people, Snoop, insert whatever your version of the scroll (laughs) is, I'm doing that quite intentionally. It's okay, I'm going to sit at my computer and do this thing. Um, And I just think there's just so much of it. It's exactly what you were talking about at the beginning, where it's just like the feelings, the emotions. Yeah. I remember when, like, I've lived with anxiety for most of my adult life. And I remember there was one month where that essentially decided it wanted to evolve into depression. And I was just in this place where I was mustering up the the strength, the courage to cook myself a meal and put some Mm -hmm. semblance of a, like, survival routine in place. When I say survival routine in place, I'm not actually being dramatic. I mean, like, my therapy homework was, let's shower in the morning Let's make a healthy meal. Let's do one thing that we enjoy doing. That, those mm-hmm. are our goals. That's what we're yeah. searching for. Just a few things that get you out of the bed. And I know when I was going through that moment, guaranteed I was scrolling through Instagram. But this is yeah. that time where I'm working up the courage to make a meal and I'm yeah. watching everybody live their best lives. Living their lives. Um, I'm a coach, so I'm seeing both. Like I'm seeing coaches being like, I filled my program. But also I'm seeing, you know, friends and families that are out and about, they're doing stuff, yeah. they're thriving. And I just think, what? Yeah, <laughs> I know. And you're just plunging yourself even further. I'm just plunging myself deeper, but I'm not realising the impact that that has on me and the loop that it's got me sort of stuck into, right? It's a similar thing when we we escape into binge watching stuff. And it's like, this this programme is now watching you. That's why I really chuckle every time Netflix goes, are you still watching this show? (laughs) I know, yeah. Thankfully, (laughs) giving myself a brownie point here, I am trying more to single task when it comes to that. So, you know, if we're doing that, or if I've watched more than like three funny videos on instagram it's like well if you want to laugh switch on a comedy yeah <laughs> like, yeah, let's yeah intentionally have 30 minutes of good good well hopefully touch wood fingers crossed, yeah like, good <laughs> laughter um, yeah because otherwise you'll be here forever and it is 10 o'clock yeah no it is so true and you're so right about you know when you're feeling when you're going through periods of depression it's it's when you're inclined to then want to increase that use and start scrolling more and more and more um that and this is actually something that really triggered this for me because during the pandemic um that's when it kind of that was when it really hit it for me how much of a problem it was in my life because I I was definitely addicted to my phone and and then the mental impact it was having on me because um my husband was one of the lucky ones who got to go out to work every day because he's in construction. So, you know, during lockdown, mm-hmm. he got to leave at 6.30 in the morning, get home at 6.30 at night. And his life was obviously not completely normal, but, you know, he got to get up, get dressed, get out the door every day. And so I was left home with our three girls who were at the in the first lockdown. They were 17 months, four and six, trying to run a business with these mm-hmm. three young children running around, trying to deliver training. And it was just impossible. Um, I had to rely on the one hour a day that my youngest napped 
and you know so if someone said can I have training yep you've got an hour 12 she's to done. 1 and my Let's god go. she, that's pretty much what it was like and if she didn't fall asleep I'd be like what am I gonna do I'd be like bouncing on me come on just get to sleep I've got training it's the only way I'm gonna make any money um so I actually relied on my phone so much and, and in a way it was a great tool at the time for that reason because I could do a lot of my business while sat on the sofa watching Peppa Pig or whatever um and I used my phone so much to the point, actually, that my five-year-old said to me, when, um, sort of midway through the pandemic, later on that year, she was like, mom, you're always on your phone. You're not listening to me. Why are you always on your phone? You, you spend more time with your phone than you do with me. And I was just like, whoa, oh my God. That was like wake up call. Like, yeah, exactly. Like oh, this- children and their feedback. Oh, well, they just see everything and they know everything. Like they mm. really are in tune to, you know, things like that because of course they haven't got phones. So, you know, they can yeah. see me on mine. So like, what so is this like, thing? Woo, this, yeah, this is it. And, you know, it's just a, a piece of equipment. But yeah, I was probably giving it as much time. I mean, to her, it was like, you're ignoring me for your phone. But actually, you know, obviously yeah. we're in lockdown and spending all day every day together. But to her, you know, that was upsetting for her. And I was like, that's got to change. And actually, at that point, I was like, I was probably the same, very much in a really low um, state where I was waking up every day and thinking, I can't get through another day of this. Mm. Um, And I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to delete all the apps off my phone. I'm just going to go off social media for a bit because I can't do much in my business anyway, because I've got three girls at home on my own. Um, Not much is happening anyway in terms of training because everyone else's lives are up in turmoil. So I'm just going to I'm just going to delete all the apps. And I had a good... I think it was about a month in the end. I just went completely off social media. And honestly, within like a few days, I could feel my mood start to go back up. I was just like, whoa, this wow. has really been impacting. And, and like you say, actually, you know, I got particularly obsessed with one other social media trainer who has no kids who kept going, what's everyone moaning about this pandemic? I'm, I'm delivering training all day, every day. Mm. And I just wanted to shake him and go, but I can't. I've got my children at home. And it just really upset me. And um you know, it was a it was a massive wake up call for me that the the link between social media and my moods. And now, actually, I take regular detoxes. You know, I I use social media a lot to promote promote digital well being, to promote my social media training. But I also then take chunks of time where I'm not on it at all. Even hearing you describe it in terms of both parenting, i.e., this things in the home, mm-hmm. and I can imagine children just looking at it like what is this device right and also Mm -hmm. to a certain extent I'm not a parent but I know many parents whose children have their own device and it may not be a phone but it's an iPad and they're on yeah they're on games and things like that and again you know echoing what you said this is not to poo-poo our usage of technology but it's almost like it's a perfect context for one of my favorite coaching questions which is how is this serving you yeah. Because if yeah. I ask, how is this serving you? Yeah. And you're not happy with your answer. It's not even about me. Yeah. You're not happy with your answer. Then we've got an issue there. If how yeah. is this serving you is, well, there's no other way. You know, it's a hamster wheel. This is how I thrive. I have to be visible, visible, visible. I have to be plugged in. I can't miss an update. Da, da, da. And you take a deep breath. And if you're okay with that answer, okay. But if that gives you rise to thought, then let's consider that right it's mm-hmm. the, it's the same mm-hmm. thing because to be fair to a certain extent we do that with our children as well again yeah. caveat i don't have children of my own but we try to set those boundaries okay yeah. two shows okay yeah. two episodes of peppa pig and then it's dinner time when yeah. we don't do it around the dinner table you yeah. can go and ask your daddy for it 
It's in yeah. the cupboard. It's in the special place. It's there. You know, we, we sort of moderate those things. And, you know, what is it that you want to do on mummy's phone? OK, no problem. Here you go. Yeah. You know, and it's just things like that to build in that consciousness. But we have none of those boundaries for uh, ourselves. And, and it's, it's so incredibly important, actually. I mean, whether you're a parent or not, obviously, having those boundaries is yeah. really important. But also as a parent, to be a role model, you know, and mm. to not be like one rule for you, one rule for me um you know I'm conscious now my eldest is now nine so I'm like you know we're nearly on the cusp of her having a phone and when she does get that phone I want there just to be it's the norm that you're not you don't have your phone in your bedroom because me and her dad don't have mm. our phones in our bedrooms it's the norm that you're not eating while looking at your phone it's the norm that it's one screen at a time so if you're watching telly you're not on another mm. device you know and it just it and I think you can set that in place long before your children even go close to tech because then it just becomes the norm as opposed to like this enforceable rule. It's just, well, it's just how things yeah, are. That's like, how we do how things. We live yeah. and how we exist. And that's how we yeah. live. Yeah, exactly. But so many parents since I've started doing digital wellbeing said like, oh my God, you know, my teenager spends forever on their phone. But then actually when I think about it, I go to bed and I'm scrolling on my phone for a couple of hours before I fall asleep or um, you know, I'm watching a film and scrolling at the same time. So, um, yeah, we, we can, we're all, we're all as bad as each other in a way, aren't we? You know, we're good we're at all, parents yeah. enforcing those boundaries and then going, but actually in my own life, anything goes. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess you might have covered it already in terms of that conversation with your very, very wise child. What was the pivotal moment when you said, I'm doing this in social media? But this now needs to be part of my mission. This now needs to be part of my the hill that I'm going to screen yeah. things from. Yeah, it was it was a really strange transition in a way because it was more at first an interest. Well, first things first, it was a I'm going to change my phone use. So I started reading books about you know how to use your phone less and that kind of thing. Um, and I and I read a really interesting book called Stolen Focus by Johan Hari saw a few podcast interviews with him and he talks about the big impact that phone use, smart tech use in general really is having on our ability to focus and pay attention. Uh, really interesting read. So I'd read that and, and just more of an interest it had been. And then um, I had actually said to my husband, you know, I'm getting a bit disenchanted with social media because of all this that I'm reading and hearing about it and the impact it's having. And I feel a bit like I'm going out delivering training and I've got to have a presence on it, but actually I'm not, it's, it doesn't sit right anymore with my values. Um, and so I hadn't got into, I've, I'm in a really nice habit when I walk the dog, my phone doesn't come out of the house with me. And that's like my free thinking time. Like there's no tech, there's no children. It's just me and the dog. And I, I walked the dog and I got home and went, you know what? I think it's not just me that's struggling with this. And maybe if I want to move more away from social media training, maybe this is how I can help people and and spread this message you know and if it's if it's happening to me as an average person as it were whatever average is but you know as a as a mom as a business owner if it, if it's on my mind how much phone use is impacting my life it's probably on pretty much every other or majority of other people's minds as well and is there a way that actually I can help people with this and and help them manage their relationship and then also the business side as well. So, um, you know, going into businesses and helping them understand how they're expecting their teams to have a relationship with tech and what that relationship is. And are they giving their teams enough time to switch off from tech? And, you know, is there any training in things like notifications popping up on your computer all day and 
Um, and also their own phone use is going to really impact their workplace productivity, just like it does for any of us who have to self-motivate, such as business owners. You know, if they're going home at night and they're scrolling on their phone for hours, it's depleting their sleep, lowering their mental health, um, it's impacting their focus and attention, that's going to have an impact in the workplace as well. So, you know, that side of it is something I'd really like to grow, going into more businesses and helping teams to manage that relationship with the digital world. I think that's so huge because one thing for me is, you know, I sit here as somebody who works for a tech company. I sit here as somebody who runs their business mostly online, right? I do yeah. have in-person clients. Um, I do deliver workshops in person, but most of it involves me opening up a screen. Yeah. And there, there's an element of, I realized I was just too plugged in. And I didn't realize this until I took time off before my wedding and I took the apps off my phone. I took yeah. the email off and I took Slack off. Now, I'm a community manager and my community connects on Slack. So yeah. I've gotten into a habit of getting up, scroll Instagram, scroll all my inboxes, business and day job, mm -hmm. and scroll two Slack networks, bare minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Bare minimum. And I took it off and it was the most peaceful existence that I have. Now, the email box is back in. But again, for that similar reason, I can control the notifications. I go in there. Yeah. And again, if it is an emergency, you're not going to put it on Slack. It's going to be like a formal comms thing. And it, it also, if it is an emergency emergency, people have my number. Like if something you will, is you will broken, find out exactly yeah you'll find out and I think also for me because I was taking time off I was just like how can I use this to encourage me mm. to leave amazing hand over notes to give several people access to whatever they need and I haven't put it back on and it's been the most peaceful thing because it made yeah. me realize how easy that gets exemplified as the default behavior you join the company yeah. here's all the apps that we use oh did you know they've got mobile apps right you sign up for these platforms and these tools and they go don't forget to download our mobile app now i work for a product and analytics company so i know that's an engagement strategy again what we were yeah. saying they're designed to be addictive they're designed to be a daily habit for you but you can control and dictate what that looks like they don't have to be a daily habit if it is not serving you and i think yeah. getting some space can show you so much because what i don't want and i think that's why i think your work is so important what i don't want is for us to wait for those big moments like for me it was wedding to realize mm, used to be a problem yeah. um or to get a variety of screen social burnout where we are completely jaded and bruised by our experience and we run in the other direction it should we mm -hmm. shouldn't have to crash for us to slow down if that makes yeah. sense right absolutely um, and socializing socializing that no everyone doesn't have slack on their phone no everyone doesn't have certain apps on their phone no everyone doesn't walk everywhere with their their mobiles right and then that kind of inherently gives us permission to kind of go yeah actually no because even from a obviously i'm a career nerd from a <laughs> career slash business point of view you are an individual employee in the company yep. if you are in a position and people can argue with me on this if you are in a position where you genuinely need to be on call, that will be contractually articulated. You typically be remunerated to that effect. You typically, for well-being, well-being have a separate device for that, i.e. Mm -hmm. if that thing goes off, it is an emergency. And if it goes mm -hmm. off at a certain time, then it, do it does that. I've agreed to be available X hours, 
right? I've got friends who are engineers and they are specifically on a rotor that says, I'm happy to be on call on Saturday, the blah, blah, blah of the month. That's my on-call time. So it's boundaried and it's very clear, but we've somehow created a workplace where we all think or have inherently accepted that we're all expected to be on call. And yeah, I say it it's flippantly, we don't save lives, but I also say it to reiterate that example. The people that save lives, even they are on a shift pattern. If you know you are the on-call surgeon, the on-call this or on-call whatever, you're on a rotor, you've got the device, you, there are parameters and there are rules around it. Whereas we've kind of dove headfirst into everybody being on. Oh, when to a certain extent, we're not paid and supported into that kind of behaviour, but we just kind of do it. Accept it. I know, I know. And I know so many employed people who have to check their, are encouraged to, asked to check their emails when they're on holiday, you know, they're on their downtime. And the problem is, even if there is no email that is like, you know, urgent, or as you say, if, if it was urgent, surely someone would ring anyway. It straight away means that every day on their holiday, they're thinking work. So they're not actually on holiday. You they're not actually on downtime. Device. <laughs> yeah, you're not on holiday. You need to bring the laptop just in case. Yeah. Which is You're awful. Not. And in the same with the evening, you know, when you leave the workplace or be it now with hybrid working, when you turn off your computer at home, mm. you should be done. You know, that is your time to recover, get ready for the next working day and live your life because we're not here just to work, you know. Um, but yet now it's like, even if you don't check that work phone, if it's there and it's notifying you and pinging when you've got a new email, your head's going, I wonder if that's that person replying to that email that I sent earlier. And I wonder if that problem solved. And, and straight away, again, you're back in that work loop of thinking and you're not switching off, which is a huge, huge cause of burnout. And actually, businesses who expect people to be working outside of business hours when, as you say, they're not contracted to, they're not paid to, they're not reimbursed in any mm. way for that are really shooting themselves in the foot because they're going to end up with less productive people when they are in the workplace, less engaged, less committed, because they're going to start getting, you know, jaded by the fact that, oh, my God, I always have to be on. I always have to be answering my emails, yeah. um, which is absolutely no healthy thing whatsoever and starts from management up. You know, I think a lot of managers don't think about the impact it has when they send out a work an, an email, sorry, to their their team at like 10 o'clock at night. Because in their team's heads, they're thinking, oh, gosh, oh, it's right, the that bank means... holiday ones that get me as well. Yeah. yeah, no need to, you know, what? just sending this. For, even if they're not, not expecting anyone to pick it up until they're back in the workplace, the fact that their team goes in and sees, let's say they've logged in at 9 a.m. Mm. Oh, I've got an email that my manager sent to me at 10 o'clock last night. OK, so the only way to climb that career ladder is if, if I start doing emails in the evening. And I should respond immediately. Yeah. Right. My commitment. Or I should provide an update on my targets. It's that. Yeah. And it's huge. And I'm just like email. You can send later. You can schedule for later. If you yeah, choose to work exactly. those hours, that's OK for you. Yes. But like, again, it's, yeah, we're not it's... understanding what it does to our mind no. No. and how it steals our attention immediately. Even though you could say all the wonderful, you know, no pressure to reply to this until we're all back in tomorrow. It's too late. I've read the yeah. message and my brain is over there now. Yep. Like it's I've actually, left dinner with family, drinks with friends, yeah. time with family. I am now over there. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. You know, and work should just form part of our lives. It shouldn't be our lives, mm. um, which is unfortunately with the ever on world is becoming more and more hard. But 
you know, and in fact, in France, they've put legislation in place around this now that um, if a company expects you to respond to an email after seven o'clock, you can um, you can prosecute them, you can take them to court. Um, and there's been quite a few fines delivered to businesses for asking employees to email after seven o'clock. So it's it's an enforceable law now in France, which is great. And hopefully oh, that will, you know, even if it's just spreading that message that, you know, this is not a good thing. We You shouldn't be expecting yeah. this at all. Um but unfortunately, it has become part of the working world now. And even just thinking about how people communicate internally, um, you know, having things like Slack messages popping up through the day or um, emails popping up through the day. Um, if they are on task and then an email comes in, and it's like, oh, there's a notification. It takes people up to, you know, it can take up to 24 minutes to get your brain fully back on task from one little interruption. Yeah. You know, so it's really holding back actual progress. Um, you know, and there's yeah. so many, so much research around this for things like the four day working week, you know, which mm. has been shown to be, make people far more productive because then they get okay. this whole extra day to themselves. So actually, they've tend to found that people can easily squeeze in what they're doing in five days into four days, but are actually more productive and, and living more fulfilled lives because they get that extra time back. So there's lots of, lots of research that shows, you know, getting people to switch off more leads to better outcomes for the business um so yeah spreading yeah. that message is something i'm really passionate about oh amazing and just as we close what do you want what do you want people to know if you could leave us with one nugget again as we said we're at the top of the year everyone's kind of goal setting looking at things reflecting etc what do you want to leave with our ambitious audience today I think the, the key thing to think about is that focus on goals is the difference between conscious and unconscious use. So I want you to start, everyone to start thinking about how am I using my phone? How am I using apps and things like social media, dating, whatever it might be? And can I switch from a unconscious state where I'm mindlessly scrolling and barely taking in what I'm seeing to a conscious state where I'm really questioning, is this going to help me achieve my goals in 2023 and if not actually i'll just put my phone down love that where can people find you how can people connect with your work you can find it sounds almost again very contradictory doesn't <laughs> i it? know so find me on instagram, <laughs> but, on instagram. <laughs> but at the end of the day it's a great place if for me it's to conscious, you can consciously find yeah. me on instagram and it's and you know <laughs> everything you'll see from me on instagram is positive and will help trigger you to start thinking more about this so you can follow me on instagram at sam flynn sm um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. I post quite a lot on LinkedIn as well. Um, and I have a YouTube channel too, um, which is currently Sam Flynn's social media still, but hopefully I'll switch it over to being more digital well-being. But there are loads of digital well-being videos on there. Um, and you can come and check out my website, samflynn.co.uk. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing these insights. I can't wait to hear, read, see what people think, what it encourages them to do, right? Like I want to encourage everybody listening and watching to take your own experiment, take any of those tips, yeah. try them out for size, um, really, you know, unconscious versus conscious usage. Um, just really take this and practically apply it and see what happens. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. 
Don't forget to reach out with any gems you took away. My DMs and inbox are always open and waiting to hear. And if you liked this episode, you should probably join the crew. So sign up to the Monday Memo to get weekly messages that put you back at the center of your ambitious career. With passion-filled musings created to educate and inspire, you'll have everything you need to fuel your ambitious career this year. Go to justjazz.co forward slash join and I'll see you there.